0: Hello and welcome to The Weekend Wrap for The Week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it's my great pleasure to be with you on what is a lovely, beautiful, sunny day here in Victoria. I hope you're well wherever you are right around Australia. And I, firstly, I want to start with some good news today, and that is that over 100 people are already contributing to our supporter page, our buymeacoffee.com slash weekonwednesday supporter page. And I want to give a big shout-out to everybody who has done that. You can check out last week's Week on Wednesday. We do give shout-outs on the show for people who do make a contribution of $10 a month or $20 a month. Uh, we like to try and respond to all the comments that come onto the page. Really been heartwarming, the comments that we've seen there. So many first-time listeners making a contribution and also long-time listeners. So whether this is your first episode or the 121st that you've listened to. Please do check that out. We do post on there as well. The podcast will always be free to listen to, always be free to download. We just have the contribution page there so that we can help offset some of the costs of making the show and advertising the show to get even more people who can listen and hear these ideas and spread the word far and wide. So thanks again to everybody who has contributed. Buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. Check it out. Even if you're not going to contribute, check out the page, see the comments. It's really heartwarming to see that we are not alone in this. We are not alone in this. There's also more great news out of the state of Victoria. Three million rapid antigen tests have arrived in Victoria that will be distributed for free to healthcare workers, aged care workers, and those who are most at risk of contracting COVID. That's the first tranche of a more than 44 million rapid antigen tests that will be handed out by the Victorian government. So despite the fact that Scott Morrison refuses to provide free and accessible rapid antigen tests for all who need it. Once again, state governments are stepping in. And why are they stepping in? Well, because the COVID outbreak here in Australia continues to run rampant right up and down the East Coast into South Australia, the Northern Territory. There's now a lockdown, as I understand it, in Alice Springs, and of course, even in Tasmania. So let's look at some of the numbers as they stand today, Sunday, January the 16th, 2022. New South Wales currently has 2,650 people in hospital with COVID-19. Four weeks ago, that number was 227. That's more than 10 times as many people in hospital with COVID just in New South Wales. There are 5,500 healthcare workers isolating in New South Wales. Four weeks ago, that number was less than 500. Once again, more than 10 times as many. So not only do we have the stress on the health system of more people in hospital with COVID. We also have people who are exposed and sick with COVID, unable to go to work in the health system. What's Scott Morrison's answer to that? Well, we'll come to that in just a moment, because I think most people will find it to be a horrific, horrific concept. In Victoria, there are 1,114 people in hospital with COVID. Now, New South Wales there have been 223 deaths in the past four weeks. Each and every one a tragedy. That compares to only 25, 25 in the four weeks prior to that. New South Wales is currently recording nearly 25 a day, almost every day. This is not the mild, it's okay to get COVID strain that we are originally kind of told. We've reached a point where so many people have COVID that it's actually overwhelming systems. It's now the point where so many people have it that even if only a small percentage are serious cases, the sheer volume of cases is causing significant problems and breakdowns in the system. Let me give you another example. Since the pandemic began, there have been 1.7 million cases of COVID in Australia. Just in the last week, 748,445. So of the 1.7 million in two years, nearly 750,000 of those are in the last week. That's up 234,000 in just a week so you've got a 50 percent increase in a week in the number of cases let me give you another example of how that sheer volume of numbers even if it's less severe the sheer volume of cases creates more people who do have severe covid and require hospitalization On Wednesday, when we did the week on Wednesday, another fantastic episode. Thank you so much to everyone for your support. 6.4% of all hospital beds in Australia were occupied by people with COVID. Now, that's more than the number of hospital beds occupied by people for mental health reasons. As of today, that number has jumped from six point four to seven point one percent since Wednesday. It's now Sunday. So in four days, almost half a percent—sorry, almost point eight of a percent—more people are in hospital beds, occupying hospital beds. This is significant strain on the health system. Now, why? Because many people are still refusing to get vaccinated. That's undoubtedly part of the problem. And the protests that happened yesterday in Sydney, the anti-vax protests, which is what they are, which is what they have been the whole time, coupled with pro Novak Djokovic protests, which adds, in my view, weight to the government's view that Novak Djokovic has become a symbol of anti-vax resistance. These people are seeing more people go into hospital. They're creating more strain on the health system. In addition to that, there's simply so many more people getting COVID, even if they are vaccinated. My mother had COVID. She has had all three of her shots. First dose, second dose, and booster. Thankfully, mum has fully recovered. Now, not everybody is so lucky, as we've already heard. 223 deaths just in New South Wales, just in the last four weeks. What does this mean for Australia? Well, it means huge problems. We've all seen the photos of empty supermarket shelves. We've all seen empty streets, empty cafes. The great reopening of Australia has resulted in a faux lockdown where there is no financial support, but at the same time, people are sick, people are exposed, people are unable to participate in the economy. And I want to use WA as a little case study here. We've had a number of listeners write to us about the situation in Western Australia, which of course is very different to what's happening in the eastern part of Australia. In WA this week, Mark McGowan and the Labor government have introduced double dose vaccination proof as a requirement for anyone over 16 at hospitals, aged care facilities, in hospitality of any kind, at pubs, clubs, hotels, restaurants, cafes, entertainment venues, crown casino, theaters, cinemas, bottle shops, gyms, right across the board. They've ordered eight and a half million rapid antigen tests which are due to arrive before the internal border the WA has established to the rest of Australia comes down on the 5th of February. and the Business Council in WA is talking to their members, to their small businesses about the challenges that we've faced here in the East because there's quite a divide. They're seeing what happened. Google and WA are seeing what's happening here on the East Coast and going, that's not a good outcome. Because in WA, today, they had two cases, two community cases of COVID-19. We have hundreds of thousands of cases in the rest of the country. We have become the second most infected nation after Spain, per head of population in the world. Our numbers are truly staggering. So WA is rightly asking some questions about whether it should reopen at all. Now, I'm not going to say whether they should or whether they shouldn't. There's lots to consider there. And if they can get those double dose vaccination rates up to 90%, plus percent, if they can get those boosters in arms, if they can get those rapid antigen tests to people, if they can have those procedures in place, they're saying by the 31st, ready to reopen by the 5th of February, then maybe they'll be in a better position. Because what we know is that in New South Wales, the testing systems were not in place. What we know is that the requirements around vaccination and proof of vaccination were not enforced and in place properly in New South Wales. And that has now spread right across the eastern seaboard from Queensland all the way down to Tassie and even as far west as the Northern Territory and South Australia. So what does it mean? Well, it means empty supermarket shelves. It means hospital admissions overwhelmed by COVID cases and other patients not being able to be seen. We know this, every family has had some experience of this in recent weeks, where someone they know, perhaps even a family member, in our case, family members, who've been unable to get tests done, who've been unable to have surgeries because of the rampant spread of COVID-19. What is Morrison's solution? Well, the union movement, business groups, Health groups have called for free and accessible rapid antigen testing. They have called for sensible procedures and precautions and protections, more mask wearing, more social distancing, running things properly in terms of shifts in workplaces. So that not everybody is exposed and sick. So that if you are exposed, you isolate. That there is proper financial support. And I read an article yesterday that talked about the government's financial support for people who can't go to work due to COVID and don't have access to leave. It is woeful. The system essentially cuts out if you work less than eight hours. It cuts out if you've got ten thousand dollars in savings. It caps out at seven hundred and fifty dollars. And you only get that much if you're working more than 20 hours a week. There are lots of problems in the way Morrison has structured that. So what's Morrison's solution? Well, Morrison's solution is to have people go back to work who have been exposed to COVID. He has claimed that nobody who has COVID and nobody who's sick will be asked to go back to work, but we're already seeing that that's not true. And I want to say here It's absolutely the right time to join your union. In the last two weeks, more Australians have joined their unions in any two-week period for many, many years, for many, many years. It has been a record two weeks for union membership in this country because union membership gives you the support and the power of the collective so that you are safer at work, so that you are able to come home safer putting aside all the things around more pay, better benefits, all those positive things, the simple fact of the matter is union members are better protected. And I'll give you the classic example. So join your union. Get online right now as we're talking, as you're listening to this, australianunions.org.au slash wow, and you can join your union today. Because right now... After Morrison announced that there will be an immediate Priority 1 and Priority 2 categories of workers who will be required to go back to work under certain circumstances if there has been a COVID exposure, Tay's abattoirs in South Australia who've had 140 staff test positive for COVID-19 have told those staff, they will need to come back to work and wear a different colored hairnet to indicate they are COVID positive. Now, outside of work, they will have to do all the isolation things that the rest of us have to do. They won't be able to go to the shops, they won't be able to go to the park, they won't be able to take the dog for a walk. They will have to stay isolated in their home, but they will be made to go to their shifts at the abattoir. This is an abattoir that supplies Woolworths and the union movement is running a campaign, hashtag WTF, Woolies. You can check it out online, get in there, support that campaign. Putting pressure on Woolworths to say to Tays, this is unacceptable. And partly it's unacceptable because the justification for this, this unacceptable behaviour, has been that they're such a key part of the supply chain. When the vast majority of meat products that Tay's producers are earmarked for export. That's right. While Woolworths are a major client and perhaps their biggest Australian client, the majority of their product is shipped overseas. This is not about food security. This is not about putting meat on the shelves of Australian supermarkets. It's about putting profit in the pockets of the Tay's corporation. Now, why would they think they can get away with this? Well I'll tell you why. Because Morrison announced a new framework that would see transport, freight, logistics, health, welfare, care and support, emergency workers, energy waste and water workers, food workers, education workers, telco and media workers and even financial services, government, construction and accommodation workers adopt a new framework, a new set of protocols that relies very heavily on rapid antigen tests, rapid antigen tests which workers in most of those industries do not have easy or free access to going to work even if they've been exposed. From there, friends, it's a short leap for a corporation to go come to work, even if you're asymptomatic. Now, the Australian union movement is meeting tomorrow, leaders of unions from right around the country, I imagine it's a video call, to discuss what to do about this situation. Because obviously, this is not a viable solution. Exposing more people to more virus only results in more cases only results in more pressure on the health system, only results in a longer, more painful, more economically costly pandemic. And realistically, the Morrison government has no interest in protecting working people from this pandemic. And I'll give you a clear-cut example. The immediate priority is transport, freight and logistics. The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has said this at press conferences and has issued written guidance to this effect. At the same time that transport, freight and logistics is supposedly an immediate priority to keep open and working, Patricks, who run docks right around the country, is trying to terminate its workplace agreement and throw the workers onto an out-of-date and low-wage award. But that's not the only impact of cancelling the agreement. You see, the threat to cancel the agreement includes in it getting rid of 24-hour shift cycles, because they're not covered in the award. Now, Patricks has not made much of this. What they're hoping to do is effectively bully the workers into accepting lesser conditions and not terminate the agreement. If Morrison were serious about the immediate priority for his government being keeping transport, freight and logistics moving, he would absolutely intervene. Because what Patricks is threatening to do is cut off Australia from the rest of the world. And why are they threatening to do this? To save themselves money. That's the only reason. Because they don't want to pay reasonable wages. Because they don't want to deliver reasonable conditions. The workers are happy to do the work. The workers have agreed... To shifts running 24 hours a day. They want to get the things off the ships and into the homes and onto the shelves of Australians right around the country. All Patrick's wants to do is make a dollar. Scott Morrison does not give a rats, does not give a rats to people who need it, does not give a rats about the workers who keep this country running, and does not give a rats about. Who carries the can as long as it's not him? Now, the other big story that's been developing over the last two weeks, of course, is Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic has become an icon for anti-vax protests, and the Morrison government did finally exercise its prerogative to cancel his visa. While we're talking, the... Djokovic camp is trying desperately to appeal to the federal court to overturn that cancellation. I don't know what the result of that will be. You can read Van's take on it in the New York Times. Those articles are shared on our social media. Do check them out. There's no question in my mind that the only person who is at fault here is Novak Djokovic he could have gotten vaccinated, he could have done what every other tennis player who's come to Australia has done in order to play tennis. However, the Morrison government made this a political hot potato. They didn't want responsibility for the decision, but they wanted credit when it became popular to cancel the visa. They didn't handle it properly and it was overturned by the court. Then they delayed and delayed before they finally cancelled the visa using their extraordinary powers. Now we are in court again, and the whole country is glued to a live stream of a federal court proceeding. I think it's interesting for us to remember that Morrison built this system. It's designed to punish people. Normally the people it punishes are poor. They're normally fleeing from war-torn or economic desperation. They're normally at risk of severe harm if they have to return home. They normally have very little English, and they normally have very poor legal representation. In this case, Novak Djokovic has an estimated personal worth of over $100 million. He's so much beloved of the Serbian government that they have issued a stamp with him on it, despite the fact He is a resident of Monaco for tax purposes. He has the best possible legal representation because he can afford it. And his case is being expedited because, of course, if he is allowed to stay in Australia, he'll be playing a tennis match on Monday at the Australian Open. Morrison's system is designed to punish people. Now, Novak Djokovic may well be worthy of punishment, but it's not designed to administer justice to people. And that's where we might come unstuck. Because in a just system, someone like Novak Djokovic, who clearly has lied, by his own admission, has lied to the Australian people, has lied to the Australian government, should be deported. But the system's not set up for justice, and Novak Djokovic has the resources, unlike any refugee we've ever seen, to take on the Australian Government, to fight them at the first cancellation and the second cancellation, and he may well end up playing tennis this week at the Australian Open. Whether he plays in the second week will be entirely up to his own skill and ability. Morrison has created this circus because he created this immigration system. The idea that one minister has the authority to send someone out of the country for a minimum three-year period, that's how long he could be deported for, is absurd. And it's likely, according to some reports, that the federal court will uphold his appeal against the minister's discretion. Now, they may not, but we wait and see. By the time you listen to this, you may already know the answer to this question. Will Novak Djokovic be playing in the Australian Open? Only time will tell. That's the weekend wrap for this, the 16th of January, 2022. I want to thank all of our supporters who've Bought us a coffee on our Buy Me A Coffee supporter page, buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. You can go on there. You can contribute once off, monthly, totally up to you. We will always make these podcasts free and available to all. That's the idea. We want you to share these, share the ideas, discuss them, write to us. Let us know what you think. Tell us what the big issues are that you want us to discuss really want people to keep an eye out on this Tay's Abattoir situation. Remember the hashtag, hashtag WTF Woolies. Australian unions are growing. Join your union, australianunions.org.au. You can join today. And don't forget to check out Van's piece in the New York Times on the Novak Djokovic saga. It's really a cracking read. Uh, and in these troubled times, these difficult scary times, there's never been a more important time to be kind to yourself and to each other.